Hello, and welcome to And That's the Tea Podcast, where I give you all the information you need to know about books, so that way you don't actually have to read them. And we are talking about A Court of Thorn and Roses, which is also better known as Akatar. So we're jumping right in with the main character, Feyre, who lives with her two sisters, Nesta and Elaine, as well as their father, who is kind of like a deadbeat dad type of figure, um, but who actually used to be very rich and was like a merchant. They had a name for him, actually. Some sort of like wealthy merchant guy. I oh, I don't remember what they used to call him, but it, it was some sort of nickname where he was like the king of merchants type of thing. I know. And um, and something happened where his merchant shipment on a boat got lost at sea and the money that he owed to people was lost in that process also. And so the people that he owed money to came to the house one day and beat him up and broke his legs. And he didn't know what to do after that. So he just kind of lays around or, you know, like walks and whatever, but just doesn't do much. And so Farah, as the middle child, for some reason, rather than Nesta, who's the oldest, Farah grew up not knowing um, what else to do except for provide for her family so that way they could all survive. So she was like archer hunter extraordinaire that would go out into the woods and use a bow and arrow to try to kill animals and like skin them and use their meat for food for the rest of the family. And that's how they would survive. And then whatever, uh, what do you call it? Fur skin that that animal had, she would go out into the market and try to sell it for, you know, something that her sister might want, like a new pair of shoes or, um, she likes to paint. So some, sometimes she would go, around and like try to sell whatever she had for new paints and paint brushes and things like that. Um, and little things that her family could use that wasn't necessarily food, but you know, actual enjoyment type of things. So that was Farah's role in her family. And one day she goes out and she's looking for an animal to kill. And she finds basically a wolf I can't remember if she actually knows it's a wolf or not, but she sees that it's a wolf and she kills it. She manages to kill it. I think she shoots it right through the eye, dead, right? She skins this thing. She goes out into uh, the market. She, you know, like uh, sells it for a lot of money. The fur um, uses the meat to feed her family for the day and there was like so much like the wolf was so big that she was able to freeze some of it so that way they could eat for a while and uh then all of a sudden one day this other wolf burst through her house like i can only imagine like a slide uh, sliding sliding side door whatever that thing is called i don't think they lived in a house big enough to actually have one of those or like, you know, well off enough to have one of those, but I, that's what I imagine. And so it kind of burst through this side door situation, and it's talking to them. Now, 
wolves obviously don't speak, but apparently the wolves in this world do. And they are also confused because they're human. And why is a wolf talking to them? And he's very mean. And he was like, who killed that one wolf in the forest? And Feyre's like, um, me? I had to provide for my family. And he was like, well, that wolf was my servant guy. And um, you now are like, oh, a life debt to me for killing one of my peoples. So you either get killed or come and live in my country with me. And basically you find out that his country is this place called Perithian. And there's a wall between Perithian and the human world, like a literal physical wall that separates the human world where Feyre and her family live from this magical world of Perithian. So he gives her some like a potion of some sort to like knock her out so that way she doesn't see where Perithian is or how they get there and takes her there and when she arrives she's in this like giant castle and it's very nice and very lavish and the food is absolutely fantastic and she's eating like she's never eaten before because you know she just went from being on the brink of starvation or in constant starvation and like fending for her family to all of a sudden just having food there for her whatever she wanted to eat um the guy who burst into her house his name is tamlin yeah t-a-m-l-i-n tamlin and he has a right hand man whose name is Lucian. Um, And Lucian is a beautiful red-headed man. But something that's very odd with Tamlin and Lucian, and, like, Feyre can't see anybody else in this castle. Like, she can't seem to figure out that anybody else lives there. It turns out other people obviously do live in this castle. It's just that she's human, and they had to kind of give her access into seeing the, the rest of the world. Like, some there was some sort of, like, glimmer over um their world their court whatever and so when they gave her access she could actually see everybody else that was just like working and when I was like reading this again one day I realized I was like how did everybody else see her and just manage to like walk around her because like knowing that she couldn't see them it's very funny to me um But there's a curse on Tamlin and his court specifically. There's a lot of courts, a lot of sections to the Perinthian universe, the Perinthian world. But Tamlin and his court in the spring court, they were cursed uh, at this like, ooh, party? Yikes. Let's just call it a party where they all had to like wear masks, like a masquerade kind of party. And... The lady who was in charge of this party, her name is Amarantha. Also, again, if I'm butchering names, no idea. Um, But she's mean, and she's bad. And she's in charge of this thing, and somehow... Somehow, Tamlin annoyed this lady so much, I guess, that she decided to put a curse on his entire court. And the mask that they were wearing at this shindig of sorts got stuck to their faces and they can't remove them. And they are forever wearing masks for the rest of their lives until somebody fulfills 
some sort of prophecy that the prophecy basically stated that some girl one day is going that that can uh, kill one of them has the ability to kill one of them would be the one to lift the curse. Wow, can you imagine Feyre managed to kill one of them unknowingly? And so that's kind of why Tamlin brought her into his castle because he was like, oh wait, that's a girl that I should probably kill for killing one of my people, but the prophecy exists and she might be the one that can lift this curse. So let me bring her into the castle and try to like woo her. But the last time Tamlin ever spoke to a woman was probably in the year 200 BC because he is so awkward and does not know how to do a single thing. And Lucian is just laughing at him as a friend. You have to laugh at your friends. Um, and so Tamlin doesn't know what to do. He gives her like her own room and, you know, she can like bathe and shower and she has like a, a maid servant um, and all sorts of things. Like she's living the lavish life in comparison to what she had. Obviously she's like, is my family okay? And Tamlin's like, oh yeah, because like I sent for you here, your family can't know where you actually went. They can't know that you went into like enemy territory of Perinthian, Perinthian, and that you're just like living there. So I like, there's a letter, a fake letter sent to your family that you went and lived off with this distant aunt who's like dying or something. And you had to go take care of her. Um, so you had to leave them to go live with this person and they're being well taken care for, taken what? Well taken care of in like a new house with food and all sorts of stuff provided for them. Um, because the lady that you're taking care of is wealthy and keeps giving you money to send back to your family. It's all fake, but that's the story that he creates for her family to not know that she's actually off with the wolves and whatnot in Perinthian. Now, everyone in Perinthian is not a wolf or a werewolf or whatever these people are, um, shifters of sorts. People in Perinthian just have powers in general. So people in like, like Lucian and Tamlin are both wolves. Is Lucian even a wolf? I can't remember the last time Lucian turned into a wolf. I think Lucian's a wolf. But... Then there are people in other courts, like the day court, the night court, the summer court. They aren't wolves. They're other things. They have other powers. Um, but right now, all we know is the spring court and those people. And yeah. So fair is living the good life, right? Um, basically, she like goes on little hunts with Lucian, tries to get to know Lucian, tries to get to know Tamlin or tries to get to know Lucian because she doesn't want to get to know Tamlin because that's her captor. But Tamlin's trying to get to know her. He's just really bad at it. And there's things in this world, like, you know, little evil spirits and something like some weird little evil spirit tries to trick her into thinking her father, like, made it past the wall and came for her one night to try to rescue her. But that wasn't the case. It just tries to lure you into its um, trap in order to, like, eventually eat you, I think. Horrible, horrible things. But eventually, there is a day where she's having dinner, lunch, dinner, with Lucian and Tamlin, 
and this guy shows up and this guy is horrible. This guy is mean. Um, his name is Resand, and it took me and my friends forever to figure out how to say that name because I think for the longest time I said Rysand and that's incorrect because his nickname is Reese. So it should only be Resand. But anyway, he's horrible. He's actually the worst. He is super sassy. Um, he does not care what Tamlin has to say, but it's just like barging into his space type of situation. And I can't even remember what was happening in this interaction. They tried to like hide Pharaoh away, like tried to glimmer her. So that way he didn't know that she was there. He found out anyway, but we're just not a fan. We don't like his attitude. Moving on. There's this knight. Ooh, wow. I can't remember what the knight is called. There's a name. Well, I, who knows? It, I'll look it up at some point, I guess. But it, it's a thing. Um, and it's it's a fancy thing in their court. I think everybody in Perinthian celebrates this night. But I have no idea what it's called. Um, the name, the name of the thing is called Kalinmine. Kalin, Kalinmai. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I, let's pretend it's my, like M-A-I, for May, because it's on May 1st, but it's Kalinmai, uh, which is probably the only strange name you would find in this weird country. And I forgot to mention that because not all of these things are wolves and whatever, they all have their own powers, I don't know how I forgot to mention that they're all fairies, as in F-A-E-R. IES fairies and the better term for them would be called fae because if you say fairies it just kind of feels like Tinkerbell and that they would have wings and fluttering around and that's severely not the case so they're fae it just means that they have magical powers and most likely have pointy ears and that's it so moving on from there there's this knight called Kalanmai, which is like this huge, big party-like thing. Um, I imagine like a gigantic bonfire and sort of situation, but also a very weird ritual where uh, Tamlin, who happens to be the um, high lord of the spring court, uh, he has to like woo in bed. I don't know what the right terminology would be for this. A woman or several? I'm not sure. But he has to get freaky and it's just part of the night. And Feyre is not allowed to go to this night. And they don't tell her why. They don't tell her that Tamlin's supposed to like get freaky. They're just like, you're not allowed to go. And she's like, that's dumb. Why are men telling me what to do? So she goes. And everybody is weird on that night. Everybody. Everybody she runs into, they're all drunk off of some fairy wine and acting like fools. And at some point, these two fae, like, find her and they're like, ooh, who are you? We heard that some human girl was around here, blah, 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 blah. And then somebody comes and saves her and is like, oh, I've been looking for you. Oh, my goodness. It's the best line ever because it's Resam, the guy that we hate, but it's beautiful because he comes and saves her and was just like, oh, I've been looking for you. Like, you know, when you just want to get out of a bad situation 
and some stranger is like, oh, you know, my, my girlfriend over there, why are you talking to my girlfriend? Even though you don't know who this person is, but they're just trying to get you out of a bad situation with some other man type of thing. You know, that kind of thing. And you're just like, so grateful for this stranger that was Resan, and I know we already met Resan, and we hate his vibe, but we definitely love him in this moment. Now it only gets worse from here, because somehow, somehow, hmm, do I remember how this happens? I don't, you know, I don't remember the how this happens. I don't remember at all. It's been a while since I read Akatar, but we're going to move along, and somehow they end up in this place called Under the Mountain. That's a very odd name for a place because you are literally under a mountain and that wasn't a single original thought was put into naming this place. But it's called Under the Mountain. And this is where Amarantha lives. It just happens to be also where Resan lives because it turns out Resan is Amarantha's uh, lackey? I'm trying to be clean, but, like, for lack of better terms, Risen is her bitch, okay? Um, he does everything that she wants. He is her right-hand man, and sometimes it seems that he doesn't want to be, but he's just mean, and she's mean, and it's kind of fitting, and he just does anything, and he actually, not wolf or anything like that, but has wings, First of all, he can fly. That's very fairy-like. That's not what he's called in these books. Um, he is fae, but he's a different type of fae that we'll learn about later. Um, and I don't think he has pointy ears, so maybe not fae at all. Um, but he has wings, and he has powers of um, mind control. Mind control and compelling you to want to do something in your mind. And I think he can talk to you in your mind. Ooh, yikes. He might only be able to talk to Feyre, to be honest. And there's a reason for that, but we're not going to get into it. Anyway, so we end up under the mountain and Feyre is trapped. Feyre is in like a cell. It's like a prison and she's not allowed to leave unless Reesen comes for her and is like, hey, we're having a party upstairs and you have to show up at this party wearing nothing but this skimpy dress that basically doesn't cover a single part of your body. And Feyre just has to oblige and she has to go along with it or else she thinks she's going to die. So she goes along with the whole thing and Feyre is supposed to act like Reesen's lover of sorts, to this man that she hates. And, like, he's in charge of this party, and she has to, like, sit on his lap in this skimpy dress and drink the wine, and she gets wine drunk off of this fey wine, even though she's, like, because she's human, it actually works stronger on her and everything. So she's drunk off of fairy wine, going crazy, um, basically doesn't remember the night and doesn't know what she was acting like, but she had to do whatever Resan said. So she was kind of embarrassing herself, um, just because Resan had to tell her to do things and she was drunk, so she did them anyway. Uh, and then she's back in her little prison cell, and there's this beautiful music, beautiful music 
that plays through the like grate in her prison cell. And she's like, oh my goodness, what is this? It's the only thing giving her life right now. And it turns out Reesen was like sending the music to her prison cell in order to give her some sort of like, I don't know, reprieve from her depression of being in there. Like, that's so sweet. I know he's the enemy, but that's pretty nice. Okay. And they end up hanging out so much that she doesn't really like hate, hate him. You know, she just kind of has to do the thing, but she doesn't loathe the man, right? She figures out that he's setting the music and that, you know, um, he's not asking her to do anything scandalous and awful when she's, like, drunk out of her mind. Um, You know, she figures out that he's actually kind of decent, and so she doesn't hate him. Um, And along the way of her being under this mountain called Under the Mountain, Amarantha puts up a trial for her to do in order to free Tamlin and his court of their mask situation, of their um, curse of sorts, right? And they're going through this trial. And one of the things in the trial is fighting this thing called a Midgardian worm. You will see all over, like, the internet, TikTok, wherever, that people, when you imagine this worm with the way it's being described, it looks like the giant worm from a SpongeBob episode, where it just looks pink and just uh, worm-like, but very large, right? No, it's supposed to be absolutely scary with like 100 rows of sharp teeth ready to eat you in its mouth. That's not anything like the SpongeBob worm. But, I mean, to each their own, whatever you want to imagine. Uh, So she has to fight that. Somehow, she fights it and defeats it. It shouldn't be the biggest shock that she does that because she was using a bow and arrow to like hunt for her food for her family but this thing is supposedly massive so this girl that's never been in this world before up until now like how would she know how to defeat it I don't think even the people in this world know how to defeat it so whatever she gets through it now the second trial is to solve a riddle is that the second trial or the third trial I believe the no not to solve a riddle the second trial is to like oh man maybe it's to solve a riddle but it like the whole point is that she has to read this thing and solve it or finish the sentence I don't know and it turns out oh and I think they have like Lucian on the line like Lucian is there and he's like no problem easy peasy all you gotta do is read the thing now let's backtrack Farah had to hunt for her family in order to provide food for them from a young age. She never learned how to read or write. This girl has to do this trial. She has no idea how to read. And it's like the one task she has to do. And Lucian's there like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. I'm going to live. And she's like, oh. (laughs) And he's like, what do you mean? 
What do you mean? Why is this so hard for you? She's like, I don't know how to read. So somehow, even though she doesn't know how to read, she passes. When I tell you, I can't remember how she passed. I kind of think Lucian or Tamlin or Resan, somebody was there just kind of being like, sending her hand signals or something. Like she passed it somehow. Not sure how, but she did the thing. And Amarantha's like, I don't know how this girl is doing it, but I'm going to give her the hardest thing as the last trial so that way she couldn't possibly pass it, right? And, oh, okay, so I think actually it was a riddle because I think the answer was love, which is so dumb. That's hilarious. But anyway, then she gets to the last challenge trial thing and amarantha gives her some other uh how do you explain it like she basically tells pharah to kill tamlin and pharah's like i don't think you understand i went through this whole trial so tamlin and his court could survive could get rid of their mask, and he's high lord of his court. Like, why would I do that? Um, and Amarantha's like, no, you gotta, you gotta kill the man. And Feyre, somehow in all of this, was like, let me use my 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 smarts. Let me use my noggin, my brain, the brain's braining, right? And she remembers conversations between that she just heard, overheard between like Lucian and Tamlin. And he's like, oh, this stone heart of mine, blah, 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 can never love or like yada, yada. Like they were talking about like stone heart, yada, yada. And you would think that's just an expression for being cold hearted. Ferris like, you know, maybe, maybe it's real. And so she kills him or... <laughs> Stabs him in the heart, and the man lives. Why? Because his heart is actually made out of stone. Like, he does not have a real pumping vessel in there. And so when she stabs him, nothing actually happens. Like, the blade doesn't even go all the way through. It kind of just hits rock. And they were like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. And Amarantha has had it. Amarantha's like, you're dumb i know since when a human defeating me that's crazy dead death upon your soul absolutely just let me just snap her neck and the way that resan screamed her name in horror and was like oh my god pharaoh pharaoh is dead pharaoh i can't right now why is Resan screaming her name, and Tamlin, like, Tamlin shed a tear, or whatever, I don't know, maybe, because he doesn't actually have a heart, but Resan is the one worried about Feyre and the fact that she's dead. Um, is he in love? Of what? The enemy? Just because he spent some time with her and maybe felt bad for her or something? We're confused, but that's fine. All of the High Lords have been invited to watch these trials and things, or maybe just the last one, and they feel really bad for Feyre and Tamlin, maybe a little bit for Risa, I guess, 
um, that Amarantha decided to be the worst of the worst and kill this girl anyway, even though she defeated all of the trials. So they all took like a little seed of their power, like a little starlight of their power, and put it into Feyre and revived her. So sweet. And I think within that starlight of power and everything, and they also ended up making her Faye. So now she is also one of them. Can you believe? So in the long run, Feyre lives. And she is now immortal. And Faye. She hated Faye and now spent time with Faye and now is Faye. So good for her, I guess. So then she ends up, uh, uh, Tamlin and his cord, they're able to remove the mask now. And uh, all is fine and dandy in the world. And she's like, ooh, this man is actually kind of handsome. And she goes back home with him. And uh, he's like, you know what? You know what? I want to marry you. I think we should live together forever. I can't believe someone defeated Amarantha um, and killed her. Whoa. I think Amarantha's dead. Um, I can't believe. And I'm going to marry this girl that, like, fulfilled the prophecy. And Vera is down for it. She's like, okay, you provided for my family. You made sure they were safe. Uh, turns out that we actually like each other and we, you know, have done the shebang once or twice. Um, so yeah, marriage. And then recent shows up just kind of like on the balcony and because Feyre is now Faye, Reeson like turns and sees her and there's like a ripple shock wave of emotion that goes through his face that he doesn't explain and Vera is confused about, but it just happens. And he's just like, um, I mean, uh, I gotta go and just like, whoop, disappears out of there. And that's pretty much how the book ends. I'm not gonna lie. A Court of Thorn and Roses is a glorified version of Beauty and the Beast with trials that happen towards the end. Because it's this girl get that gets taken to live with the beast in order to save her family and then falls in love with him. A classic case of Stockholm syndrome once again, but then you added trials into the mix and you were like, wow, this is suddenly so much more interesting. Um, yeah. So now marriage is on the line and that is what leads into book two. So stay tuned for a court of mist and fury. That's that is what that one's called. Yep, a court of mist and fury. So uh, that's the tea on Akatar, and we will uh, listen for more about Akko mist and fury, Akko math for next time. Bye.